Alright, what is up you guys? Welcome to the Abstract Audio Podcast. I'm your host Derek and uh, today is a fucking beautiful day. A very exciting day. Uh, Wayne is free. So if you're a fan of Lil Wayne like I am, I, I mean pretty much a lifelong fan, um, he's been hugely impactful on me as you know from my artistry to I mean really his lyricism, his double entendres and just the wittiness to them, uh, to his bars, is what initially inspired me to start writing, and just to, uh, just, it it really gave a new life to music for me, and, uh, yeah, he's been a huge part of my life, and, you know, hugely influential, and we've seen his troubles with his label and everything, and, uh, today he's, that, that shit's been settled, um, so we're going to cover that. We're going to cover that in the show. I'll give uh, more of a thorough description of what's going on, you know, the legality of it and and uh, all that shit. But I, I open with that to mention that the playlist is live. And because um, initially it was going to be a, uh, a Drake and Pusha T playlist just to kind of, I guess, commemorate the moment in hip hop, you know, the beef in general. Um, but now I guess that will be pushed back to next week. And, uh, yeah, cause this shit was so exciting to me. And so I figure this playlist will be all, you know, a lot of my favorite songs from Wayne, you know, um, some of his biggest songs and yeah, some of his most impactful songs to me. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, if you're not a Lil Wayne fan, I get it. But, um, if you're like me and he's, you know, his music is nostalgic for you. I mean, his music was in the background to a lot of my life. And uh, so, yeah, so that playlist is live. If you'd like, go check it out. Um, But yeah, exciting fucking times, guys. So let's get into. um, Oh, I wanted to go over first before we get into stories and, you know, current events and shit like that. I wanted to get into uh, where I'm at with the Yay album. So I still do think, you know, I had mentioned that it's amongst, you know, it's mediocre at best. It really will end up being one of Kanye's worst uh, albums. I stand by that. Um, I think he fucked around and showed us the great artist that he can be, you know. So that makes this album that would, by any other artist's standards, be a good to great album. It makes, amongst his discography, it's, I think it's undeniable that it's in the bottom three I mean, uh, some people would say Yeezus or 808s. I mean, those two are very polarizing. So it, it's, but it's definitely um, not his best work. And that's pretty clear to me. But I will say uh, where I stand currently, it feels like I'm having a conversation with Kanye. Like he kind of sat me down. He sat the listener down right next to him. And he's just kind of breaking down his life like like this is these are the things that I think sometimes, you know, these are the thoughts that I think that run through my mind sometimes. And uh, and when shit was crumbling around me and Kim, this is, you know, I told her she could leave and she didn't. And, you know, and it feels like and then he goes on to mention, you know, uh, shit about his daughter, like. You know, dude, I know I know how savage dudes can be or how disrespectful dudes can be. You know, I've been there. I, I know personally. 
and uh and and that shit scares me and so he touches on very very um personal aspects of his life i do think this is the the clearest we've seen kanye because you know in typical albums you you do have commentary on you know he has given commentary on his life of course but it's it's kind of encoded in in art right um but this one is the clearest the most flat out and which you know which makes it very conversational um so for example with Yeezus it was you know he took this amalgamation of different music styles and use them to get across his frustration essentially and uh just kind of the battles that he's going through with whether it be the fashion industry um his you know and and his life in general but um I don't know for that same reason it was so shrouded in this artistic aesthetic that it does make it very polarizing so for that reason certain people will be like uh no that you know the Yeezus album is under the Yay album that shit is terrible I can't even I can't even stomach it right but then there's other people that would be like what the fuck are you talking about Yeezus is one of his most risky albums artistically and he really put his neck out there and just said fuck it this is artistic expression fucking personified um and he gave us that project one of his most polarizing but i don't know so so in retrospect yeezus it depends it depends on the individual where that lies but um with this one being so clear i think it's obvious you know the message is pretty clear and it's uh i don't know man it's it's still amongst his the the bottom of his discography but it is uh it does feel more like a conversation currently and you know and some of the instrumentals they do slap and and that uh that third track with jeremiah you know the kind of high-pitched like whispering of sorts i mean it's so off kilter and awkward but it, it fucking works and it's kind of brilliant in that in that regard but um i don't know it, it overall it feels like we are seeing the the frustrations and the uh mental battle of a genius you know the frustrations i guess of a genius and um and it is interesting i mean you know i love kanye i would never turn on him or say that he's he's done or he's washed or whatever but um yeah it, it feels very conversational um so that's where i'm at with that I just wanted to update you guys and see if you feel the same or if you're like, no, dude, that shit is fire for whatever reason. I don't know what you're hearing. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at. So with that, now let's get into some stories. Um, Apple had a keynote, what, a couple days ago now. And uh, I recently got a chance to watch it. And I wanted to briefly run through and give you guys my thoughts on it. It will be brief because I know there are a lot of non-Apple fans out there, let's say. And uh, and I get it. I get that. I It is definitely, you know, I can admit it's overhyped. I'm just kind of uh, tied into the ecosystem. I can appreciate the simplicity of the operating system. And I can sacrifice the, uh, 
I guess, the customizable nature that Android has for that simplicity and, and that, I don't know, that lack of expression, I guess. Um, but yeah, so uh, let's see what what was in their keynote. Um, things that stood out, uh, Memojis, I think they're called. Those are pretty dope. I mean, nothing amazing, but they're cool. Um, I really like the aesthetic of them. You know, how it took the, the emojis and brought them to life. I think it feels like, I don't know, just the aesthetic of the, the characters is is uh, pretty dope. But um, then, let's see, what else? Oh, the AR. So they're improving AR kit. I think it's like AR kit 2.0 or something like that. Um, but the augmented reality, Apple's been improving and uh, the Lego demonstration in particular was fucking insane. The, I mean, the fucking five-year-old me had a fucking asthma attack. Like, bro, my mind was fucking blown. So you get a Lego set, essentially, right? It was like a little town set, if you guys haven't watched it. Um, and it, it interacts with the AR. So you point your iPad or your phone at it, and, um, and the city comes to life. And for example, you're fucking, you know, you can drop an avatar in there and there, there are workers in the fucking building and shit. And, uh, there's like a little baker dude. He, he's, you know, he's fucked mentally. So he fucking starts the whole shit on fire, the whole building. And, uh, and then, so you gotta put that shit out. And for some reason there's fucking clouds on the clowns on the roof and, uh, they're tripping acid or some shit. And they're up there. You got a helicopter up there and get their asses down. And uh, I don't know, man. It just seemed super fucking exciting to a younger me. And it's just dope that technology is merging with this, you know, this historic uh, toy company. And, and in a beautiful way, really. Um, but on that note, I was just imagining those fucking play sets that are compatible with the AR have to be... At, you know, for a small set, at least $75 to $100. So, yeah, it's it's amazing, but you're going to see that amazement reflect in the price. And I get that. Um, but that shit blew my mind. I thought it was super fucking an amazing presentation um, and implementation of the technology. But um, let's see, then what else? Um, oh, and then they showed off this tool that um shows your phone usage analytics and uh i think it'll be hugely helpful for the growing percentage of people that are addicted to social media and their phones in general and uh what i really took from it is it's a huge show of character on apple's part you know to address this issue that is the usage of their products like it involves the usage of their products which ultimately should be a good thing, right? Um, I mean, just them getting involved and showing, I guess, that they care in a sense blows my mind. I thought that was a really dope move on uh, on Apple's part. And uh, yeah, I think the ability to set limits, you know, time limits for individual apps will be extremely effective. Um, but I also saw people criticizing apple for introducing you know these this tool to help with phone addiction but then you know immediately after showing that was when they premiered um memojis 
And I saw people criticizing that because it's like, okay, you're telling us not to use our phone. And then, inch, oh, but here's this cool-ass feature. You know, uh, yeah, I don't think that that fucking hinders, you know, their their uh, phone addiction tool. You know, I think they're completely separate shit. And uh, it just blows my mind because Apple shouldn't even, they don't have to address it. Right? And then they, but they show that they do give a fuck they implement, you know, they give you this tool, and, um, for people to criticize, like, oh, you're gonna fucking, then you're gonna give us this, I don't know, it's just fucking stupid, um, because it's like, yeah, ultimately, they don't even have to, they don't have to give a fuck, their products are being bought and, and used too much, like, how is that their problem, you know, um, and, and, like, the way I look at it is, like, an analogy would be, like, your dealer, directly profits from your addiction but they're even telling you like whoa you need to slow down and limiting you because it's like it could be a hazard to your health that shit is crazy like by no means does apple you know they're, they're not obligated to to implement that um you know and they're not responsible for your lack of fucking discipline uh so dope on apple and uh and then lastly I guess no mention of a keyboard change on the MacBooks that I noticed. And uh, that shit blows my mind because I think they're in the middle of uh, a lawsuit or some shit Um, just because their keyboards are so shitty on, on their newer MacBooks. And Joe Rogan was recently talking about this. I forget who he had on the podcast, but he was mentioning how he uses, uh, what is it, like a, what the fuck is it, he uses some other shit, like a, not a notebook, maybe it was a notebook, some other type of laptop, just because the keys are more like an older keyboard, and they have travel, is what he called it, and essentially just that bounce to the keys, so you don't need to be constantly looking at the keys when you're, when you're typing out a ton of shit, uh, because he writes on his shit, and, um, and I don't know, so for them to, and, and he was just expressing his frustration with it, and it's like, I get it, but I'm not constantly typing on my MacBook, plus I have an older MacBook, so for it to have even less travel than it does on my MacBook blows my mind, um, but I get it, they, they make them thinner, and it's sad, there's some sacrifices, right, and I think it's that butterfly mechanism, um, that they introduced, you know, that's, that's ultra, has an ultra thin profile, uh, but like Rogan was mentioning, he would, you know, he'll sacrifice some of the, just the, uh, I guess the thinness of the product, you know, the sleek nature of the product for functionality, that's when you're getting in your own way, and, um, and so, yeah, and, and, I mean, that's one thing, you know, frustration, uh, amongst your users or whatever, that would, should be addressed, right, but for your users to be taking legal action and you're still not addressing that shit, that's crazy. Um, so, yeah, I think that was about all that stood out to me in the uh, in the Apple keynote. But um, with that being said, let's get into the first story, Wayne's freedom. So um, Lil Wayne reportedly wins legal battle against Birdman and cash money. Hello, fucking Luya. Um... Could fans finally get the Carter Five this year? Let's hope. Uh, even like that's the thing is I know his skills have declined, and uh, it's kind of well. That's the thing. Okay, so 
I've mentioned this before. I do actually think most of it is that we, the generation that was, you know, our minds were blown by him or we were, you know, fascinated by him. Uh, we've just kind of grown out of his type of lyricism, I guess. Um, I think that's more so it than he's devolved or just declined in skill. But um, regardless, I would listen to the Carter Five. Fuck yeah. Um, just out of fucking celebration. Um, so Lil Wayne has reportedly won in court against Birdman and Cash Money Records. The Blast reports last night, uh, court documents were obtained showing that Wayne's attorney filed a notice on May 23rd, claiming all sides were down for dismissing the suit. Um, Universal then cut a settlement check to Wayne for quote unquote, well over $10 million. Um, good for fucking Wayne, man. Uh, the documents also allege that Wayne is now officially off of cash money and that the Carter Five will be released through Universal. Universal. Um, Hypebeast has reached out to cash money reps for comment. Uh, the Carter Five was supposed to be, which I guess there's no response to the comment yet, or else they would have it edited and included. But um, the Carter Five was supposed to be released years ago as Wayne's final album and has been in headlines since 2012. Uh, in quotes, I know y'all want, I know y'all want me around for a little bit, and the Carter Five is my last album. Wheezy told Sway during, "I am not a human being." Two promo. How fucking long ago was that? God damn, man, this this shit's been crazy. It's it's a fucking shame. Uh, it really is. But he goes on, man. I've been rapping since I was eight years old. I'm thirty now, man. That's a long time, man. Um, for sure, calm down on the man, but. Uh, the legal battle between Wayne and Birdman dates back to December 2014 when Wayne took to Twitter to share his displeasures with Cash Money and Baby. They were last seen in, uh, seen together in March, hugging it out at Club Live in Miami. So, what a fucking day. I honestly didn't think we would see this. I thought Wayne would be stuck in, uh, in label hell with Birdman. You know, just battles over him being signed and for whatever reason not being able to release an album uh, or release the carter five um so a huge fucking day man extremely exciting times all right so next drake was seen creeping on instagram in the comments um he you know he normally scouts artists and from my understanding this is a up-and-coming artist um that he posted in their comments for some reason. But uh, let me go on with the story. So Drake quietly returns to Instagram. Um, for the most part, all has been quiet on the northern front since Pusha T opened fire with the story of Adinan. Uh, though Jay Prince has been spreading the word of Drake's potentially career-shattering response, the OG figure has duly noted it shall probably remain unreleased. Um, since that particular revelation, fans have been wondering whether or not the beef will simply dissipate, uh, left to be measured by the strength of both Duppy and Adinan. Either way, the public consensus seems to favor Pusha as the ultimate winner, given the juicy nature of his personal assaults. 
Um, well, Drake has previously broken the social media silence with a statement regarding his blackface usage. His absence has certainly been noted. However, it would appear he is indeed back on the gram to some capacity. Eagle-eyed viewers caught the rapper lurking the comment section of rapper Smiley61st in keeping with his tradition of scouting emerging talent. He ultimately laid down a few cryptic comments, writing, Black Ben's no friends, and nobody really know what I've been, what I've been through. Um, naturally, he was immediately congratulated on his newly announced baby, though he met comments of that nature with radio silence. It's interesting to see Drizzy steady lurking the gram, and, uh, and one has to wonder if a collaboration with Smiley is in the works. Either way, peep his quiet return below. So if you guys want to check it out, uh, check out the Instagram account, Hot New Hip Hop, um, or just type it in on Google. I'm sure something will come up. But um, yeah, so Black Ben's no friends, and nobody really know what I've been through. So I don't know, man. Um, when I saw this, I initially thought it was just uh, lyrics. That was my assumption. I was like, it's nothing more than lyrics and, you know, and everyone else is reading too much into it. But, you know, he has to know, you know, even though it's not necessarily his first words to the public, you know, since the diss track, you know, and after the the statement, um, he still has to know that people are going to peep that he he commented. Someone's going to going to see that. And uh, and I think also the algorithm on Instagram um, it favors either people with more followers or, um, verified users. And I think their comments are, you know, go to the top. Uh, but I'm not sure. And, uh, so black men's no friends. Nobody really know what I've been through. So no, nobody really know what I've been through kind of worries me. Cause, uh, if it's not lyrics at least, and that's still kind of what I'm standing by. I think we we're just kind of, um, we're in full-on over-speculation mode, and uh, we're trying to draw lines that aren't there and, you know, assume shit for, you know, we just take it and assume whatever the fuck, right? Um, but if he is really in his feelings and kind of this diss track and, and even more so not being able to respond, I guess, because things would escalate, um... If that hasn't been his feelings, I don't know, man. I, I mean, a oh, fuck. Uh, if like, if it, if, what if it's actually depressing him? And uh, you know, we have mental mental health uh, coming more and more into the spotlight, and just you know, seeing really how many artists deal with it. Um, I know it definitely to most people. Like, it sounds super soft. Like, oh, fucking push, drop the diss track, and you know, knock Drake into his feelings, but, um, there's, there's likely a whole nother story, or obviously a whole nother side that we don't know regarding, you know, Sophie, um, what is it, Adonis, you know, his child, and, um, and yeah, so I, I think regardless, we're gonna hear about it, it's just, uh, it's just a matter of time now, but, um, I don't know, I think, I think the speculation is, it's just that. It's just rampant speculation. I'm hoping that it's lyrics. But um, either way, I'm anxious as fuck to hear what he has to tell us. Um, so we'll just wait. Hopefully in the coming weeks, 
I mean, maybe the next week. I don't know, but uh, I'm ready for it. All right, now next, staying with the beef, uh, Diddy shares his thoughts on Drake not responding to Pusha T's The Story of Arinan. Uh, So it's been an interesting past few months for music, to say the least. Amongst a ton of artists releasing new projects, the talk of the town has been the beef between Drake and Pusha T. Aside from the two rap heavyweights exchanging verbal blows on the respective tracks Duppy Freestyle and The Story of Arinan, the foes have traded subtle jabs for the past few years. As a result, many notable figures in the music industry have contributed their two cents to the situation. Um, the latest to chat about the tension is Diddy, reminiscing about the days when Tupac and the Notorious B.I.G. exchanged harsh words. He, expe- he expressed respect for Drake's decision not to respond to Push's vicious diss. Um, so this was so he recently did an interview with Big Boy in person. Um, but then he also did a phone interview with The Breakfast Club. And I thought that one was interesting because he mentioned that, you know, we've seen where hip-hop beef can go in the past. And obviously, he's one to speak on it, you know, losing a, a close friend to it. But, um, you know, just to shit getting too real. Um, but he mentioned that if it would have escalated it that much, then, you know, it is a smart decision. But it's undeniable that, you know, Drake took the L. I I don't really think anyone's arguing that. Um, And then what else did he also mention? Uh, Oh, he kept emphasizing that Drake is one of our most talented artists, which I thought was really dope because they've had their, you know, their beef in the past. Um, And he really kept emphasizing that to Charlemagne. And I thought that was dope. That was powerful. So even in the midst of this beef and a massive, you know, uh, just a blemish on his career, um, because let's be real, in retrospect, that's what it'll be. I mean, no one's ending anyone's career, obviously, anymore. And then um, Drake is just too talented to go away unless it's on his own terms, you know. Um, So I thought that was dope. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree that if it would have escalated that much, I mean, we'll never know. But if, if Drake's response would have escalated it that much, I almost feel foolish believing that shit, though, to be real. You know, because to have Jay Prince marching around saying, oh, well, goddamn, this is going to damage Kanye's whole, it's going to fuck up his whole livelihood, and it's going to it's going to hurt Pusha T. Um it's kind of like, I don't know. I mean, what do you guys believe? Do you believe that shit? Or do you think he's just kind of, it's it's kind of, uh, what, smoke and mirrors? Um, just kind of to lessen the blow of the L that Drake's taking? Um, I do believe there's a track. I, I feel like there has to be. But for it to be so career damaging, I, again, I'm conflicted because I, I, I love Kanye. I love Push, man. He's extremely talented. And, uh, and I love Drake. So for them all three to, you know, for Drake to have something that's damaging to Kanye's livelihood, like this very specific phrasing, like, you know, I don't know if it would affect his marriage or just the way we look at his work. Um, but I, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's for the best that we don't see that shit. It just worries me because what, what type of skeletons are in all of these people's closets? You know, uh, Drake can't be the only one. Um, so with that being said, yeah, I thought Diddy's comments were interesting 
And if you guys have time, go and check out those interviews. Again, he was on both um, Big Boy's Neighborhood and uh, he had a phone interview on The Breakfast Club. So now getting back to Kanye West news. Um, Kanye adds new lyric to yay opener, I Thought About Killing You. Uh, so let's see. The listening party to kick off Kanye West's headline-grabbing yay only went down just last week, and already the creative is tweaking the new album. Uh, after Genius broke down the slavery reference or references on Wouldn't Leave, West himself has referenced his statements on slavery with an updated version of album opener, I Thought About Killing You. Uh, the clean iteration of the song now includes a new lyric in its fr- in its final verse. Sorry, but I chose not to be a slave. Um, a nod to the statements Yeezy made last month at the TMZ offices. So, for whatever reason, I looked into this, and it is only the clean version that has the uh, the added line, and um, which I don't know why that would be. I can't. I don't know, uh, especially right off the top of the head right now, I don't know if it would be replacing a otherwise explicit line, um, but it is weird for it to only be on the clean version, and that would be the only reason I could imagine it would only be on the clean version. Um, but bigger than that, it's interesting to me. Uh, how do you guys feel about artists being able to update the project in real time, uh, you know, kind of Kanye's, the way Kanye introduced it with the life of Pablo as a living, breathing art piece. Um, initially, I like it for being something that's only possible in this digital streaming age. You know, I really, I'm really into that aspect of it. But as far as, I don't know, I feel a way about so, for example, I used to always buy albums, whether physical or for a while uh, I was buying even albums off of iTunes, um, just for a, a sense of ownership, I guess. Um, now I only have, I just have Apple Music and just stream it. Obviously, you know, like, for example, with uh, Ye, I uh, downloaded it. But um, to be honest, if I, if I bought the project, and you're you're changing it. I, I think I feel a way about you changing the product that I bought. Like, don't get me wrong, you created it, but I paid for that product in that form. You know? So I don't know. I mean, in that sense, I feel a way. But maybe if it's just these little subtle changes, um, and they're not too drastic, I think I I uh end up back at my opinion that I think it's dope. You know, I think it's dope that it's only possible in this age. Um, but how do you guys feel? Are you guys bothered by that? You know, him constantly. Who knows? Maybe this is the the first in a a string of changes. Um, crazy that he has time to even focus on changing lines, though. You know, with um, Kids See Ghosts releasing today. And then uh, and I'll have a review or just kind of like a thoughts on that coming next week. Um, but for sure the album artwork, god damn man, the album artwork to Kids See Ghosts is fucking phenomenal. I mean, just like Graduation was probably my favorite cover by Ye um so far. And and Mirakami just did his goddamn thing with that bear and designing that universe and the video 
to Good Morning, one of my favorite all-time videos. Um, but yeah, to see him use what like watercolors on this cover, I mean, it just looks so unique, and the colors are beautiful, and it just looks it's it's haunting, but which is fitting, but it's also just beautiful. Um, I don't know. I really fuck with the cover. Probably my favorite since the um Travis Scott and Quavo album. You know, uh so yeah, I'll I'll update you guys on my thoughts about that later in the week. But um crazy that he has time to still be working on Yay, even to update a line. Like how the fuck do you even don't get me wrong, I know you still care, but how the fuck can you focus on that? You know, I don't know. Um but the line, I guess, what, sorry, sorry, but I chose not to be a slave. Um, I guess it's dope. I mean, it's controversial, definitely, you know, addressing or, or alluding to his extremely controversial statements. And that's very yay to double down um, and reference shit that's the most controversial. But um, yeah, overall, that's kind of my takeaway is I feel like it's dope that you know, that can only be done in this age, and previously, you know, had you released a disc, or, uh, you know, a vinyl, or a cassette, there was no way that you were changing any, anything, so, um, but how do you guys feel on that, are you bothered by it, um, next, we have Virgil teasing his collaboration with Ikea, a couple pieces from his collaboration, so, uh, Virgil Abloh and Ikea release official marker ad collection imagery um after taking a first look at ikea's marker ad collection designed by virgil abloh we now have a look at some of the official imagery from the collection um showcased at ikea's currently ongoing democratic design days 2018 event abloh was on hand to introduce the designs to the public noting i want each item to bring a sense of pride and i want the great design to be the biggest reason why you get it um, the three highlighted items were, uh, were the already seen triangular red doorstop slash chair accessory, a glass cabinet, and an enormous receipt rug. Um, the cabinet features several glass panes surrounded by a wooden frame, accessible by a red handle in the shape of a nail. Ablo purportedly suggested that it could be used to showcase a sneaker collection. Um... The rug sports a printed receipt motif with serrated edges to further recall its inspiration. The red doorstop was first seen last month and was quickly called out by Diet Prada. Ablo discussed the item's functionality upon its initial release. It's about elevating the anonymous, everyday icons that we use without noticing. Um, the collection is set for launch in 2019. So I just really fuck with what what he's doing what virgil's doing with design um the the receipt rug uh is i guess very off-white that's that's kind of my least favorite piece um but the door the doorstop is uh is dope and these are this isn't even the best of the collection in my opinion uh if you guys want to check out some of it virgil's been teasing it on uh instagram so just go virgil abloh uh, or you may already be following him. He's posted uh, some teasers. Um, there were a couple rugs. What were the uh, rugs, indoor mats? Um, the recent one that he posted was an indoor mat that, in quotes, says wet grass. 
It's a green indoor mat. Um, that's kind of dope, I guess. But he's also posted, uh, what was it? There was a, I believe it was a red mat that in quotes said blue, which I, I was into just the irony. Um, and then also, fuck, what was the other one? It has this beautiful design. I don't think it says sculpture. Um, there's another one that has this beautiful pattern on it. And I think it's like this wave, you know, it has like waves in it. Just like a, uh, what would you call it? Kind of like a, a optical illusion of sorts. Um, and I thought that one was extremely dope. It might've just said floor mat. I think that is what it said in quotes. It's definitely said something in quotes. I mean, if it's Virgil, you know, there's going to be quotes on a motherfucker. I mean, that's the thing is he really did run with this design language and he owns it. I mean, if you see anything in quotes, you're like, oh, off-white, you know. Um, so, I don't know. I, at times, I have been annoyed by it. Like, okay, it's getting a little repetitive. But um, I guess I can appreciate now, that, you know, just him establishing this full-on design language that is so synonymous with his brand now. Um but he also, in that same photo with the uh, wet grass floor mat, he has what he calls a seven-year mirror. And it's just this gorgeous, like, fragmented mirror. You guys should check it out. Um, I really fuck with what he's doing in design. It's, it's a huge inspiration to me. So now to get into a little bit of tech news, Amazon unveils the Fire TV Cube, a voice-controlled smart TV powered by Alexa. So, Amazon has combined the Fire TV with the artificial intelligence of Alexa to create the Amazon Fire TV Cube, a television device with voice-controlled software. The Cube is able to adjust the volume and change the channel via voice command by listening in with its eight circular microphones, uh, similar to the Amazon Echo. So, you thought you were paranoid before, motherfucker. Whoa, we got eight mics on this motherfucker. Um... I don't know, man. I'm, so let me finish this and then I'll give my thoughts on it. So a grid appears on the TV display for broad commands to give users a selection of similar shows to watch based on genre. Um, and you can respond by saying the corresponding number for the movie on the grid. These commands work with live TV services alongside standard cable boxes, but you can always use a remote for these functions, too. Uh, the Fire TV Cube also possesses Echo Dot fun functions to control smart home products on the fly, but can also display the weather on the screen or obey other commands like the Echo. You can pre-order the Amazon Fire Cube TV today for $120, and if you're a Prime member, you can get a $30 discount today and tomorrow only. Um, expected to be shipping June 21st. So... I don't know, man, that's the thing is you always, you know, if you're already paranoid with, you know, Amazon listening in, you know, and, and you're, you know, people have said you're bugging your own house and shit. Um, I get it. And it is something to be aware of. But I think for the most part, it's just paranoia. Like, what really are you exposing? Don't get me wrong. We always feel a way about, you know, exposing personal aspects of our lives, I guess. Not even that, not even because they're important, but just because they're personal, you know, and we don't expect them to be listened to. 
But um, I don't know. Like, really, though, what is Amazon going to derive from listening to you? You know? Um, and then plus, I always, you know, I'm always conflicted in that. And I, and I believe I've mentioned it on a previous episode. But uh, just you're going to exchange a certain amount of your privacy for the convenience of this product you know and uh i know people are hesitant about that trade-off but i think ultimately it, it you know it'll be okay um i say that now and watch there be some huge expose on amazon collecting all the information um but yeah man i don't know i mean that's kind of where i where i end up on that argument or just you know because uh, we have a uh echo dot and uh she's all she does listen in periodically randomly um even when not really prompted like you said nothing close to alexa and that bitch is eavesdropping but i mean i don't know i get it we all eavesdrop sometimes i mean i <laughs> i guess I, I really do see the uh in that equation the convenience is worth a little bit of privacy in my opinion but how do you guys feel about that and do you have Amazon products, you know, like the Echo, the Echo Dot. Do you have those in your house? Um, and would you be willing to put another one in another room? So you just bug the whole shit. Um, but briefly, I also do like the vision that they're bringing to life of this automated household, you know, interacting with the smart home products, your TV, everything being controlled by your voice. Um, I like that. I like that that's coming to fruition. You know, a couple years back, it was like a Jetson-esque theory that we would be there in a couple years and we're here and now we're freaking the fuck out because it sacrifices our privacy. But uh, I don't know. I, I, in my eyes, the convenience is worth it. So uh, now to get into sneaker news, um, the, what is it, secondhand seller or app, GOAT now lets you buy professionally clean sneakers. So if you guys are unaware, um, the Go app is just like StockX. It's a um, aftermarket for uh, not only new sneakers, because StockX is exclusive to new sneakers. You can only sell uh, a sneaker if it hasn't been worn, still has tags and everything. Uh, but I believe Go has had a used section for some time, for some time now. And that's been seen as kind of something they have up on StockX. But um, this is interesting because you could buy kicks at 20 to 50% off the resale prices. Um, so GOAT, considered to be the largest marketplace for buying and selling sneakers, has just introduced GOAT Clean. Uh, for the newest initiative, all customers have to do is visit the GOAT Clean site, which is currently in beta and shop over 100 different styles at 20 to 50% off their resale prices. All of the worn inventory has been quote-unquote professionally cleaned, uh, graded, and photographed by GOAT sneaker experts. Trained specialists have also carefully authenticated every pair, um, which is worth noting because uh, I think GOAT has had some allegations, but I know uh, StockX has been called on passing fake product. Um, you know, their authentication uh, process just being half-ass or maybe, you know, people have um, 
just come up with a theory that they take the authentic product and they're the ones seeding the fake product, which I don't know about that. I could see someone missing a, uh, you know, a, 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 or passing a fake product as a real product. But, uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's malicious intentions. I think that's kind of jumping, uh, to conclusions a bit or making quite the assumption rather. Um, so moreover, extensive scrubbing of the kicks, washing of the shoelaces and removal of lint from the lining has been applied. So if you're frugal as fuck, this sounds like the jackpot. Like, um, I know there's like a stigma that some people have around wearing used sneakers or just sneakers someone else has worn but um and i'm somewhat of that mindset admittedly uh but you know if it's a extremely high price sneaker then that 20 to 50 percent will save you you know huge and make it affordable then uh i don't know i would be interested especially with like for example the off-white collection i've really wanted a, a piece of that collection um the initial the 10 collection but uh, they're so astronomically priced, man. I can never justify that. Pretty much every sneaker is at least going to cost you a grand. And that's fucking insane. So, I don't know. I mean, if they remove the lint and everything, um, I don't know, man. It, for some of you out there that are frugal and don't give a fuck about it being worn, uh, yeah, it's, you're probably all about this. Um, so, smoothing out of the leather has also been used for shoes that are constructed of the material, fucking insane, um, for those unsure of what they're getting, GOAT is also using a grading system, each part of the shoe is scored to give customers a better understanding of the pair's overall condition, everything is still in beta, but soon, sellers will be able to participate in the GOAT clean program for, uh, improves, improved sell-through of used sneakers being added to inventory, uh, visit GOAT clean now, in your go app to give the program a try um i think it's dope overall you know again it makes these extremely high price sneakers somewhat affordable and i definitely fuck with that um so that's pretty dope and it's something that StockX doesn't do and i feel like they're missing out hugely you know on a huge uh margin of the market with that because so many people you know I, I think the actually the large percentage of people that buy hype sneakers buy them wear them for you know only a couple times stunt for the gram or go out you know special occasion whatever it may be and then they want that value back so that they can recycle the money and i get that but uh I, it's crazy that StockX is missing out on all that because i feel like that's a large majority um but goat is about it and i and i like seeing this you know professionally clean sneakers i fuck with it um, so now I just wanted to, it's a bit old, but I wanted to give my thoughts on the, uh, the Takashi 6ix9ine and Chief Keef beef and just all the fucking antics, um, all the buffoonery. I mean, so it started with, uh, at least in the instance, Takashi 6ix9ine has kind of always been about the fuckery. Um, and from my understanding, he really takes that from 50 Cent. You know, he had mentioned in interviews that, he really took inspiration from when 50 would start beef with just anybody, you know, he was kind of beefing with everybody. And it's like, that makes sense. That essentially is, you know, Takashi 69 is essentially 50 cent in 2018, you know? Um, but I don't know, man, if it, 
here's why I'm conflicted because so recently Takashi 69 was on video talking about uh fuck Chief Keef and fuck uh who was it another Chicago rapper um that is very thorough in in street culture like they're known to to be in some shit and I think they both had been to jail uh Chief Keef I know for sure um and for major charges too but uh so they they're not afraid of of action and actual violence and so he was on video saying fuck them and uh if he's i think he said something wild like if he's not dead by the end of the week then they're fake and they're really not about it and uh that shit is just crazy because then chief keith goes to new york where i believe takashi 69 resides um but at the time takashi was in la so uh chief keith goes to new york who knows for what but likely to confront takashi right um i think the assumption is somewhat safe to make but uh and then outside of the w hotel shots are fired at him luckily nothing you know nothing hit him but um he he walked out unscathed but um this is where shit gets worrisome for me uh I'm not, I, I try and keep my, my head turned to this bullshit because ultimately it's just, that, that's essentially what it is, just people fucking around to get headlines and to get coverage at a, at a huge risk. And social media, for the large part, is here for it. Um, I was looking into, when, when I had heard about the, uh, the Chief Keef shooting, I was reading up on it, reading what people were saying about it on Twitter, and everyone was wishing death on Takashi, saying if uh, if Sosa died, then they would, you know, they would hope that they would see the same happen to cut to to Takashi. And uh, I was just blown away, like how fucking how fucking uh, I guess careless are we that it's just like this is entertaining, and we're all about it, and and it's like a sport. It's this sick sport that is like, oh, shit, we had you here. Shots were fired at, uh, at fucking uh, Chief Keefe. Oh, no, well, I heard that, you know, uh, Takashi was confronted here, here, yada, yada. I mean, it's just like this sport of uh, life and death. And um, it, it will continue to escalate until there are people that are that are killed over it, blood that's spilled over it. And uh, and I think that's inevitable. And I think it's kind of this morbid truth that we all know, even the people that are watching it in, you know, as entertainment, um, they're watching it knowing that it's only a matter of time. And that shit blows my mind, man. Like how, uh, how desperate are we for the entertainment? And, uh, and it's not just us. I mean, you know, obviously Takashi is responsible for a, a high level of ignorance and uh just ultimately it's it's sad because this dude doesn't appreciate his own life you know that's kind of the way i see it like you don't how how much do you value your own life when you're saying that someone else's reputation lies on you being dead that's a fucking great headline but it's fucking crazy and uh, I don't know if he acknowledges it. I think he does see it all as a game. 
it's just shallow promotion. Um, but man, it, it's only a matter of time before, you know, the line is crossed, blood is spilled, uh, God forbid, you know, a life is lost or lives or lo- are lost. And then we kind of all sit back like, well, the motherfucker knew he had it coming to him, you know? Um, and that shit is dark. So I try and keep my head turned to the bullshit, but, um, yeah, it's like, how much do these guys value their own lives? Clearly not much. And that is, that's the tragedy in and of itself. Um, but yeah, so that's some of the shit that was going on that I just had some thoughts on the antics of, but, um, I've been fucking with this app lately called, uh, Curiosity, and, um, there's just a bunch of random shit, but interesting shit on it, um, and, and it's just well-curated articles, because pretty much everything, you know, it's hard for me to go on it and not find something interesting, and plus they send an email to, uh, you know, to my inbox, and, you know, they have, like, five stories listed, and, uh, that usually almost always pulls me in. It's just because it's just interesting shit that you've always wondered or you've been like, yeah, you know, what does water taste like? And shit like that. No shit. That was one of the articles. Um, I was going to uh, read that one off to you guys, but, uh, you know, I had read it and it turned out that they didn't really get down to what what they would describe water tastes like. Um, it was more so just in studies, our studies had shown that our sour, uh, taste receptors are actually what detect water, and that we actually, animals do have a, an ability to, uh, what is it, um, sense water amongst other liquids, so it is actually something that, that we do actively sense, um, but it was, I guess it's kind of interesting that your sour receptors are the ones who are, are, that are receptive to water, but, um, it didn't come with the answer that I wanted, motherfucker, I wanted, you know, what, what would you even say that water tastes like, I I guess crisp, I mean, crisp comes to mind, um, what else, um, fresh, (laughs) I don't fucking know, but I was interested, I was intrigued, and I was let down, um, but I, I did find another article, and I want to get more into uh, articles like this that, you know, pique my interest and therefore, you know, pass it on to you guys to maybe be like, hey, if you didn't know, because it's, it's all random as fuck. But again, it's interesting as fuck. So um, this is about and this article in specific is about um, or ask the question rather, is social media hurting your memory? Because um, I don't know about you guys like, or if you, if you've noticed your memory being just lesser than it used to be, or, uh, just worse in general, I, I personally have noticed, you know, my memory not being as great or as sharp as it used to be, but I never really attributed it to, uh, social media, and, and this article just asked that question, so, um, it's such a cliche to say the social media and smartphones are ruining the minds of a generation. They're just little machines that connect us all and lead and let us record our experiences to share with our friends. The thing is, a new study suggests that even just sharing a story or a photo is enough to hobble your memory of the event. But is that really the social media's fault? Um, so they go on. 
published in the Journal of Experimental Social Psychology. This study, led by Diana Tamir of Princeton University, aimed to test how sharing experiences on social media or otherwise would affect people's memory of those experiences. In two different experiments, Tamir and her team asked, participant, uh, asked participants to engage in an activity while either recording it for posterity or enjoying it for their own sake. Um, participants in the first experiment watched a video of a TED Talk online. For that experiment, the researchers gave the, participant, the participants one of six sets of instructions. Either watch the video and do nothing, think about the video while they watched, write down their thoughts about the video while they watched, those people were told their writing would either be erased, returned to them, or shared with others, or write about irrelevant objects around them while they watched. The second experiment was more of a real-world scenario. Participants were asked to take a self-guided tour of a church on campus. Some were asked to simply take the tour, some to take pictures without sharing them, and some to take pictures with the intention of sharing them on Facebook. As it turned out, even having the intention of telling other people was one of the worst ways to make sure an event stayed in their brains. Compared to those who only reflected on their experiences, the people who recorded the event performed about 10% worse when asked to recall the details of their experience a week later. But the interesting thing is that the same, is that the same decrease in performance popped up whether they shared those experiences or not. Instead, it was the act of reproducing the, exper the experience that made memories falter. Um, that's rooted in the, in the theory of transactive memory, which describes how we divvy up the data between internal storage, our own brains, and external storage, anything else from notepads to Facebook to other people's brains. Another study found, for example, that when information can be recalled at the press of a button, our brains tend to disregard remembering the information and instead glom onto the button pressing process. Uh, the danger is that although our brains like shortcuts, external memory is only as reliable as it is accessible. Now, this was huge because I've often wondered, um, you know, I've, I've had conversations with coworkers in the past about, you know, that exchange, you know, kind of just similar to a a conflict of the now you know of our current age like um privacy for convenience that we just you know that i just mentioned um i often wondered okay like we had discussions about is having access to all information at your fingertips any given question you could have answered at any given moment is that worth you know not you know a d de a decreased memory or a less effective memory, um, and this is, I guess, what it comes down, you know, what it comes down to is that external memory is not always accessible, so therefore, it's not that reliable. It's it's as reliable as if you have it at the moment or you don't, um, but then you're left with those negative effects of your memory just being shitty, you know, if you constantly rely on this external memory device, whatever that may be for most of us being, you know, Google. Um, but the article wraps up, whether you're sharing everything or not, maybe the takeaway from this study is that you, that if you want to have a full, rich experience, you should focus on experiencing it and not, 
memorializing it. But while that might be true of memory, it's not necessarily true of the experience itself. The study also found that no matter what the participants had been asked to do or, re- or to do to record their day, they all reported enjoying themselves about the same amount. If that's true, then maybe it's not such a bad thing to keep on sharing your experiences, as long as you don't mind having to look back through your photos to re-experience a memory. But if you're ever in a place that you want to be or that you want to be able to recall every time you close your eyes, it's probably smart to leave your phone at home. Uh, so this is interesting because obviously it's subjective. I mean, because we do, we maybe you might be going to an event and anticipating sharing that with your friends, you know, sharing your thoughts on the event with your friends or the details of the event. Um, and so who's to tell you that, you know, this the memory of that event is is worth more you know it's just subjective I mean but that is interesting so I mean it's it's really not telling us anything new but rather uh emphasizing what we already knew in in regards to you know people always say oh well you know don't have your phone out if you want to just be in the experience in the moment or whatever right um but that is fascinating that just the practice alone, you know, in in the moment, your brain decides, okay, I don't need this information because I am recording it, or rather just having the intention of sharing it later impacts that memory for the worst. You know, that's, that's interesting, but it makes sense because it's like, it's like, the way I look at it is it's like reading. When you're reading a line, if you're thinking about the next line or the line previously, and you're still processing it, at least for me, I'm going to completely read through this line of text, and then have to read it another time, or another two times, because my mind is elsewhere, so similarly, if you're recording an event, or, you know, just recording a moment with the intention of sharing it, you're not even really focusing mentally on that moment, therefore, obviously, you're not going to remember it as clearly, um, I mean, it makes sense, but just be mindful of this, but also be mindful. It's your choice. If you want to share it and just share that moment with your friends and uh, talk about it, then, you know, that's your prerogative. Uh, all right. So let's get into the sneaker recap or not even not recap. I fucking always call it the recap. Um, the upcoming sneaker releases, I guess that's simple enough, right? Um, I might be cutting this portion of the podcast going forward, um, you know, for the Friday shows. But uh, just because I initially when I thought of the idea, it, it really works the most when you have a video component. And seeing as I haven't gotten the video component going yet, I almost feel like it's better to just do away with it on the Friday episodes for now. And then in the future, once I do start recording and I'll just be creating that content and then I can, you know, uh, add the photos in post and everything and really make the content what it could be. Um, cause I feel like it really, yeah, that's this segment really serves, uh, the video really serves a huge part of it. Um, but with that being said, I'm going to continue it at least for this week and uh because we got some some pretty dope sneaker releases so let's see um let's start there were quite a few that released yesterday 
Um, that being the first being the Nike KD4 battle tested in the uh, white photo blue wolf gray colorway. Um, just a, a relatively simple white blue colorway. Uh, the KD4 isn't terrible. I mean, the aesthetic of this sneaker isn't bad. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I need to stop even mentioning basketball sneakers because for the most part, I don't really fuck with them aesthetically. Um, and that's not the, the their entire purpose. So, uh, all right. Next is the Nike Air Vapor Max Mach 2.0 in the University Gold and Black colorway. This is a women's exclusive. Um, if you guys own this sneaker, the Vapor Max Mach 2.0, does it secure your foot? Because it has a, uh, you know, does it secure your foot effectively, I should say. Because it completely does away with the laces in uh, in exchange for a elastic band across the top of your foot. And um, aesthetically, I like it because it's very minimal. But um, yeah, I guess that would be my worry is does it hold, you know, does it hold onto your foot? Then there's another colorway of the Nike Air Vapor Max 2.0 in the uh, pure platinum colorway. And, uh, I mean, pretty dope. It's going to get dirty quick, so uh, just be mindful of that. All right, next we have the Nike Air VaporMax Aniva. This is an interesting hybrid. I, I really fuck with it. I like the shape overall. What was it? I think there was recently a VaporMax and Air Max 97 hybrid, I want to say. And the toe box looks completely fucked on that sneaker. And, uh... You know, I guess that's what you risk when you have hybrids because they're not meant for that soul. You know, that upper is not meant for that soul. But um, in this case, the the Aniva, I've always fucked with the Aniva. Um, and, and I like the just the basic aesthetic of the upper being woven. Um, but I don't really fuck with this colorway. Um, I do like the overall shape of the shoe, though. So I hope we see more colorways. But, um, yeah, and for 240 get the fuck out of here. What the fuck? I definitely don't fuck with that colorway. Fuck that colorway now. Um, all right, next is the another colorway of the Nike Air VaporMax 2.0 in the uh, laser orange. Um, kind of dope. I mean, predominantly black with a pop of color. Uh, it looks like a, I don't know if that's what they're calling orange. The swoosh looks yellow to me. And then the back of it being like an infrared. Um, but I don't know. I mean, a dope pop of color. I don't know if these would even be effective for the gym. You know, I kind of always viewed the VaporMax outsole as uh, as mainly aesthetic and not as functional. But um, I don't know. It could be a dope pop of color for your workout gear or whatever. Or at least that's how I would implement it. But uh I don't fuck with it enough to to copy it. It's 190, so fuck that. Um, I haven't really seen a colorway in the VaporMax 2.0 yet that I fuck with. The closest thing would be that Beluga colorway from a week or two weeks ago that was just all white, a clear sole, and then uh, a black heel cup. And uh, so that was the closest. I was tempted to buy one, but even that one, I was like, fuck it. Um, But if that's your thing, copy it. And let me know, does it, you know, or no, this one has the laces, so never mind. Don't let me know shit. Just cop it if you want it. Um, all right, next is the Kim Jones Nike Air Max 360 High. 
uh, for 200 it can fuck off. It's, it's dope that it's... I can appreciate that it has a unique upper, but uh, and it's using an older outsole. Um, but other than that, you know, this, this is releasing in both a white colorway and a black colorway. What I like about the black colorway, I'll give it this. I like that the swoosh has this shadowing effect to it. I think that's really dope. And I would like to see it on other models. But this one, and for 200, no, nah, Kim Jones can take his shit, take his shit with him. Um, all right, now the Nike Air Max 270 Habanero Red. Um, for 150, this is a men's and grade school colorway. Pretty basic. Uh, Nike is really oversaturating the 270. I've fucked with the black and volt colorway. I like the pop on it. And the bubble is gorgeous aesthetically. But um, they're really just kind of putting out every colorway that they can think of. Um, which I guess kind of lessens it to me. Um, I don't know why that is. But yeah, it kind of... When, when a company oversaturates the silhouette... It just, it's not as special, and that's kind of undeniable, at least to me. Um, all right, next is the Adidas World Cup X 18 Plus TR, which looks like it's like a street snock, uh, a street soccer sneaker. Um, I don't know, there's a blue colorway and a yellow voltish colorway. Uh, the volt isn't bad, but again, it would have to be with athletic wear. Uh, that I really like the way Volt works, but other than that, you know, it's it's gonna be hard with casual wear. Actually, not necessarily. Um, highlighter colors are pretty popping now, and uh, you can pretty easily ease it into your wardrobe. Um, so I don't know. I mean, the the Volt colorway is the one that I fuck with the most, but it looks too athletic to me. I, I don't really fuck with the uh, the silhouette. All right, next we have the Adidas Samba OG in a crystal white chalk pearl colorway. Um, it has this gorgeous nappy suede and a dope translucent outsole. Uh, I fuck with it. I think that suede looks, it looks like a, a high quality suede for $110. If you fuck with the Samba, I know Adidas is really pushing them now. I've seen a couple emails in my inbox regarding the uh, the Samba so or samba whichever um but yeah this looks dope and again i mean that value is is obvious it's very apparent to me 110 for that level of suede uh, or that quality of suede rather rather so it's coming in both a crystal white chalk pearl colorway and a core black carbon colorway which is essentially all black um i fuck with the gray colorway the all black i mean i guess if it's your thing but it's just too basic for a basic silhouette um all right next we have the parlay and adidas ultra boost 4.0 ltd for 200 dollars um i fuck with the cause i fuck with parlay interestingly enough on a podcast not really recently this was a while back there was this young dude that was on rogan's podcast talking about um recycling waste in the ocean you know plastic waste and parlay was mentioned and jamie pulled it up and uh the guy mentioned that it's not necessarily uh it's not made from recycled plastic that's gathered from the ocean directly 
but rather it's from a supply line that I guess the the plastic would otherwise end up in the ocean. So, I mean, and, and initially I was bothered by that because I was like, wait, this this is false advertising as fuck, uh, fuck parlay, this is some fraud shit. But um, I mean, I guess if it was gonna end up in the ocean anyways, you're it's, it's still a a net positive. But um, it seems like it would just be best if we could cut that off from going to the ocean period and then collect the waste from the ocean and use that but uh i don't know i mean it's still a positive organization and a positive cause so i fuck with it but just kind of an interesting shit some interesting shit that i learned recently uh or or a little while ago rather but um all right next we have the puma suede ferrari um just a red colorway with a bat a black puma logo i don't know what what do you call that a swoosh the black puma swoosh i don't know but the black puma logo uh i don't know a red sneaker is just fucking tired now um yeah so fuck that even though it's only well not even i mean a hundred dollars still fucking pretty expensive for that shit um with that being said if it does appeal to you um I think it will definitely hit sales. So I would hold off on that. Um, All right. Now the Nike Air Hirachi in the white, black, neon yellow, and magenta colorway. This looks dope. I mean, it looks super retro. I really fuck with the colorway. I just don't really fuck with Hirachis. I never really did. And especially now with them kind of being, I don't know, out of trend. And I mean, it still is a bulky trainer, but... I don't know. No, I don't. I'm, it's a gorgeous, like, callback colorway to, um, I mean, it, it perfectly captures that retro vibe. So if you fuck with Hirachis and you fuck with retro, I don't see how you could go wrong with this. Um, in that regard, it is gorgeous. And for 130 I think uh, Hirachis have always been pretty reasonably priced. Um, all right, now the Nike Flyknit Trainer Velvet Brown uh, in the velvet brown and neutral olive colorway, man, it just, this just looks like ass, I mean, a dark green, uh, I don't, I definitely don't fuck with this, uh, pass on that one, um, all right, now the Nike Air Force One Foam Posit Pro Cup in the gym red black colorway, I fuck with the future aesthetic of, like, the glossiness of the, um, the foam posit pro or the air force one foam posit pro i really like the high that they had a little while back it was like super um what the fuck did i relate it to in my mind super blade runner-esque to me it's definitely it definitely would would fit into any tech wear outfit is kind of how i feel about it um that colorway in specific but even this colorway the glossy red it just looks very future and it is bulky um so yeah, I don't know, but uh, an Air Force One low for 180. I mean, obviously it is the the foam posit material that really jacks up the price, but uh I don't know. I don't really fuck with this colorway in specific. It's too uh the red is too specific for me. Um but I do fuck with the overall aesthetic. All right. Now the Nike Air Vapor Max Utility likely my pick of the week i mean this thing is it was well i don't know i really fuck with it i'll say that 
it's very reminiscent of a Virgil-esque colorway, though. Um, you know, with a off-white coloring, you know, tan coloring, and then black hits, and then or black heel cup, and then orange hits. It's very reminiscent of, uh, you know, the off-white design language. And, uh, I, but I, that brings to mind, it's not a bad colorway, though. Just to me, it's, it's so, rem- probably too reminiscent of uh, off-white. It would feel to me like I'm wearing a substitute because I couldn't get the off-white sneakers. Um, which is not a bad thing, but ultimately fucks with how I, you know, how I fuck with the sneaker. Um, but I don't know, seeing this makes me wonder what Virgil would do with it. You know, what he would do with the silhouette in his uh, custom, his customary off-white aesthetic and just the the deconstructed nature of it i really fuck with that the deconstructed uh aesthetic that he gives his his nike collaborations is uh is gorgeous i think it's so minimal but also like it's extra but it's minimal i don't know he's not doing much and people get pissed at that but he's also doing a lot in regards to I couldn't have imagined Nike would allow designers to do that before Virgil did it. So just for that alone, um, but then also for the execution, I really fuck with it. I fuck with it aesthetically, uh, all that. It's just so goddamn hard to get. That's the issue. Um, All right, so next we have the Parlay Adidas Ultra Boost Clima. Um, It looks very reminiscent of the previous one. It's a very muted colorway, uh, footwear white and blue. Um, I don't know, man. It's not bad, and I like the climate technology. I fuck with Parlay, but really what throws me off here is the Ultra Boost silhouette is just so, in, you know, it's so overdone at this point, at least to me, that I can never, I, I do always wonder about the comfort because I never bought a pair, but um, I would never buy one now just because it's so overdone, um, at the very least, maybe just for, uh, the, you know, just for gym wear and activity, but, uh, for function, essentially, which I know, hard to believe in, uh, in sneakers these days, that you would put function over, um, aesthetic, but that would be the only case that I would buy a Ultra Boost, um, all right, then the Adidas Speed Factory AM4 NYC, it's just an all-black Adidas sneaker, pretty basic, very reminiscent of the uh, the fucking Ultra Boost silhouette. Um, the the fuse on the side of it, I, I fuck with the Speed Factory concept. From my under, from my narrow understanding, um, it's just Adidas factories that I think turn over sneakers very quickly therefore giving it the speed factory name you could have probably derived that derived that from the fucking name but um so i fuck with that i think it's a dope concept and just what they're doing you know where that will evolve is is what really interests me but this sneak this sneaker in uh in particular the fuse on the side of it makes it look cheap i mean and it's just all black i I can fuck with it um there's also a london colorway that is slightly more interesting. It's a footwear white show green colorway. Um, essentially just gray and a aqua green. Uh, I fuck with the coloring of it. I like those colors together. 
but again, it's very, it's very techy, like, or not techy, but, uh, active, you know, like, it's very active where, like, I could see, okay, you get it, you know, and you wear it to the gym if it's comfortable, and in that case, it would need to be functional as well, um, for the gym wear, but, I don't know, a pretty boring silhouette overall, at least in my opinion, all right, next, this is all on, on today, the 8th, um, all right, next, we have the Whitaker Car Group and Adidas NMD Racer, I fuck with this aesthetic, it's, it's just an all, or it's a predominantly white with black striping on the side, um, I really like the aesthetic of it, but I don't know, man, um, it's not a cop for me, but it is a, a nod, I guess, if you will. Definitely gorgeous. Um, all right. Now on to the ninth. Um, the Nike Air Max 91 or 90 slash 1, I guess. Um, it's a hybrid of the Nike Air Max 1 and the Nike Air Max 90. Um, it's dope. I like that. Uh, I can appreciate that Nike experiments with the silhouettes and uh well rather you know and hybrids of them um i actually think the air max 90 doesn't fuck with the 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 upper of the air max one like the fluidity of the upper that much uh so i guess that's a positive um but i don't know man i mean dope i like it i fuck with the concept of it uh not a cop with for me at least though um, but you couldn't go wrong with it. I really think it's actually a tasteful hybrid and people are very, uh, they're, they're skeptical about hybrids. A lot of people don't fuck with them just off of concept. I think that's kind of ignorant to, to shut yourself off from all hybrids just because you don't fuck with the concept of a hybrid. Um, cause then how could you ever have anything new? You know, I don't know. I see the evolution in it and I can appreciate it, and this one looks good, it doesn't bastardize either silhouette, um, so that's a positive for Nike, um, or at least Nike and hybrids, all right, now we have likely the most hyped of the weekend, the Adidas Yeezy Desert Rat 500, um, in the Super Moon Yellow colorway, I really fuck with this colorway. I really like the dingy aesthetic that it has. And that may sound odd. I know a lot of people, you know, they're obsessed with keeping their sneakers clean and just, brand, you know, looking brand new. But uh, I actually would choose this one over the, uh, what was the last colorway? The tan off-whitish colorway. Uh, I fuck with this one more just because it looks, it has a dingy aesthetic that I... I don't know. I fuck with. I really like that when sneakers have a uh, a dingy aesthetic or a leather on it that will age it. I really fuck with that and that concept of getting better with age um, just because it's inevitable, I guess. And I also like that it adds individual character to a sneaker. And this one, you know, with it being a yellowish, a very, very light yellow, um... And, and kind of a dirty yellow in my eyes, I think would only get better with wear. You know, you get a couple scuff marks on there or just, you know, if the outsole is dirty, it's not an issue. I, I really, I don't know. I really fuck with the aesthetic in that, um, in that regard. All right, now on to, let's see, how far are we going? Let's go a week out. So then we jump to the 12th, 
the Adidas Pro Fear. Um, fuck the Pro Fear. It's just a gray colorway. Uh, pretty boring. I, I don't know. Um, then we also have on the 12th the Sega Puma RS slash O, the Sonic colorway. Um, I think they executed this very well. Like, I don't fuck with the sneaker. Like, I wouldn't wear it, but it looks very, like, it definitely captures the Sonic aesthetic with the blue shaggy suede. I really fuck with that. I really like the yellow uh, checkerboard pattern on the uh, the midfoot of the sneaker. I just feel like it would best suit uh, a kid's colorway. So I hope there are kids' sizes of it because that's where I see it best being applied but um or also if you're a super fan of sonic it's a dope collector's item or like if if sonic is your shit buy it and wear it you know own that shit um but it's just a bit too all over the place aesthetically for me to fuck with you know and incorporate into you know outfits but uh i I do like the execution on this and then also in that pack is the uh sega puma rs slash zero dr eggman and uh this one i fuck with slightly less but they definitely in and to to capture that dr eggman um aesthetic relatively simple you know i mean with the caution signs or the caution uh you know the black and yellow coloring or striping rather and then red uh, or a glossy red in this case pretty hard to fuck up and uh i think they nailed it you know, but this one is slightly less appealing than the Sonic one. I think they 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 outdid themselves on the Sonic one. Um, really good execution on that shit. Uh, but you couldn't go wrong with either, man, especially if you're a collector. Um, all right, and lastly, for the 13th, we have the Adidas PODS3.1 in a black and voltish colorway with blue hits. I really fuck with the silhouette. It, it again, this is one that immediately when I see it, it is reminiscent of Y3 for whatever reason to me. And obviously Y3, you know, their design language, uh, Yoji's design language is synonymous with um techwear. So this is a cheap alternative to if you know, if you have a wardrobe full of uh techwear or if techwear in general is your is your thing, you can't go wrong with this. I think it's very subtle. Black is obviously very um, present throughout most tech wear, but then it has hits of color, which makes it very future in my eyes, um, or definitely only adds to the future aesthetic of it. Uh, yeah, I fuck with it. Gorgeous. I, I really fuck with this silhouette, and I hope to see more of it. Um, but that wraps up the uh, upcoming sneakers and wraps up the episode so uh again i can't express enough how glad i am to be back it's very therapeutic to talk to you guys and uh if you guys enjoy the content i fucking love making it for you so um if you're listening to this i appreciate you and i fuck with every one of you uh, I love you guys. Thank you for sticking around. And um, it's only up from here, man. I mean, I, I just really am obsessed right now with 
constantly improving the podcast and you know in whatever way and whether you know because before I used to be somewhat OCD about okay if if I you know have the uh you know certain aspects of the podcast in this format whether it be the text that that shows up on um what is it on the podcasting app you know or or whether it be the uh the the sneaker the upcoming sneakers i always felt like it needed to be consistent therefore these decisions i made were like in in they had to be they had to keep continuing but I've more so, you know, for the clean aesthetic purposes, right? Um, but I more so recently, I've just been like, you know, in the mindset, like, no, you know, just constantly refining, even if, because the way I thought of it, and I thought it was kind of um, very poetic and kind of beautiful, is uh, to improve and to constantly be moving forward, you're going to leave footsteps, so if you're anything like me and you're OCD about shit and you don't want to change it because, you know, you want to keep the uh, the continuity of it or, you know, the streamlining of it, um, and then you end up sacrificing possible improvements just for the sake of this streamlining, um, just don't get in your own way, you know, and just understand for improvement there, there are going to be footprints. And uh, if you guys get what I mean by the by all of this, it's kind of a messy concept. Um, but it's all to say that, uh, yeah, I'm, my mind is on constantly improving, uh, improving this podcast for you guys and just building the brand. And uh, so and you guys are the the heart of that. Um, so I appreciate you. I love you. And um Thank you guys for listening. Peace.